everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Nonley podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. Uh, we'll tell you a bit more about our new sponsors later on but in case you don't know who we are, I'm John Phipps and the man on the line now is someone who foolishly thought that going to the tip during the school holidays was a sensible idea. And I've just spoken to him and he's actually done it twice this week. Uh, it's been tw- all 24 hours since I saw you Matt and you spent most of that time at the tip haven't you? Uh, place is mental, absolutely mental. I went- Yesterday, it took me about half, three quarters of an hour to queue to get in uh, the one in Margate. And I went this morning at quarter past eight because the kids had to go to the dentist and my wife took them. I was like, oh, I'll go early. Nobody will be there. And it's packed again. I'm like, I, I, maybe what, what happens when I'm at work? I don't know if it's that busy, but it's just absolutely mental, the tip. And, and as I explained to you earlier, it's one of these things. I had garden clippings and old work tops thing and after a while you've got to move A because it's so packed in there you can't get through the cars you think oh, I'll just lug it in the same bin and I reckon you know that happens all the time anyway I think people just do that because they just want to get out of the tip so uh, yeah, it, it, it's, like it's a big boy job going to the tip and it's bloody annoying particularly when it's packed I expected to be the first one in in and out job done but yeah ridiculous well, I mean, I've spent most of my life as, as someone who works in an office, and obviously now I, I run a B&B and, and do the odd bit in an office, and I honestly have to say to you that I always feel when I go to the tip that I'm not grown enough, grown up enough to be there. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It, it's like, you know, it feels like you're being watched by people who know exactly where everything should be going and you don't necessarily know. And then on on, on the other hand, you, you, you're scared to ask them because they're also sort of they look like they know what they're doing and you don't want to come across as the one who doesn't. And generally, it's it's not something I enjoy. Yeah, I think, yeah, you got those blokes there, you know, I don't know, one end of a screwdriver from the other. And if I did say this little bit of thing, he'll say it's some it's, uh, hard rock, mate, that's got to go in hard rock. I don't even know what that means. So, yeah, so I've done it, though. It's good job, jobs, but it's just too much time out of your life going to the dump. So uh, God knows what it'll be like, probably, uh, what it must be like. I don't know if it's open on a bank holiday, but... That sort of weekend, like it'll just be mental. So, but got it done, got it done. Tick on the box. Wife gave me a snap on the back, so that's the main thing. My last, the the, the tip I used to use, which was the nearest one to my old house, um, was never much fun. Um, the one here is a little bit better, actually. It's a bit bigger, but you do have to um, stop at the entrance and tell them what you've got, um, which is unusual. Um, but <laughs> three dead bodies yeah. and a cat yeah exactly uh the last time i was there um we one of the things that went to the tip was a microwave plate because there'd been an incident with the microwave plate here um it's glass i suppose yeah well well, it, it, well, it, well yeah. there wasn't really a section for it so it actually went in household waste um but <laughs> we were having a problem get sourcing a replacement uh microwave plate um, so Haley said to me, why don't you have a look in the uh, at the tip? So I said to the bloke, I said, oh, you got any more of these, mate? As I slung it away, he went, well, go and look in the microwaves. So there, you, if you were at the tip, you would have had the sight of me going through every single microwave, opening it up and seeing if the microwave plate was in there and if it was suitable. The worst moment was someone had repacked the microwave, the exact same one we've got in its box, so I got it out of the box, opened it up, and they're taking the bloody plate out as well. But in the end, I, I managed to get a suitable replacement, so that's not too bad. And I presume you disinfected that to the inch of his life. Oh, yes. It, it went. St- I think it's been through the dishwasher about three or four times before we got anywhere near the microwave. But um, it's better than having no microwave. That's first world problems, mate, isn't it? It is. Going but... through the tip for looking for a microwave plate. Yeah. 
But I got one, so it, it, it was an ultimate. And also, That's other, upcycling, that is cool, is it? Yeah, well, the other thing about the tip here is there's actually a tip shop. So there's no um, pretense. They admit that they go through and take the best bits, but they actually flog them there and then. So um, I've not managed to uh, to visit the tip shop yet, and uh, I'm planning to keep it that way for as long as possible. But there is a shop there at the tip, which, funnily enough, I would have gone there to look for a microwave plate, but it shut 10 minutes before I got there. Well, if somebody brought in, like, a, I don't know, some people probably throw away an old um, lawnmower, for example. Do you think the people there think, oh, I'll have that? Of course or, they do. Is, 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 is that a perk of the, perk of the gig? It's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, I always think that, maybe. You know, a perk of them, I've got no problems with that. If somebody's throwing it out, somebody's crap is somebody else's treasure, isn't it? One of those? Something like that, yeah. Something else, like probably not the right. Yeah, it's, it's I've just sort of different sort of thing from that. So uh, yeah, apart from that, so I'm off this week from work, so it's um it's not too bad. And I've got I've got to talk to you about something last week. Okay. I saw um on, on Twitter about football, uh, about European football. Roberto Baggio, he's one of my favourite players of all time. Yeah. And I was one of his goals in there, and I got to be thinking about the Roberto Baggio free kick game. Have you ever played that? Of course I have, mate. I've spent many a wasted hour or so doing that. Um, yeah, it was it was hard, wasn't it? But back in the back in the day, and if you're under the age of probably about twenty five, you'll be thinking, "What are these idiots talking about?" But this was a proper proper high tech game. Do you know what I mean? It was it, it was. You had to bend three kicks in at any angle, wouldn't it? You did, and you know what? I have just searched on Google, and guess what? I'm doing right now, Matt Gerrard. You can still play it. Okay, I don't have a computer. My, I tried it on the iPad, but it, I think it's probably worked with Java or something. Oh, it's gone over so, the bar. What a sh- what a shame. Yeah, exactly. But that is, what, what keyboards you have to? What keys you have to press for that? I'm just using the mouse. So I've got uh, a pen- I've got a penalty. I've got a penalty. That is that is that is a, an unbelievably underrated game. I don't know when that came out, but I've Roberto Baggio, what a player! I've just had a penalty, and I'm not kidding you. I've just reenacted the man himself's penalty from the 1994 World Cup final penalty shootout. That has gone way over the top. So um, I'm going to have one more go. Where did you stand on Roberto Baggio? What a player. Um, yeah, he was, he was magnificent. But he, he was one of those players, wasn't he? He was, he was great in Italia 90. Um, but he kind of found his best form when he went back to Brescia. And, and yeah. he went on and on and on. And um, he had a silly haircut, though, didn't he? Oh, yeah, well, it would have been more a ponytail, wouldn't it? So he wouldn't mind it from that. But yeah, he... He was just, you know, it's a, you know, unbel- some of his goals, we just think, wow, what a player he was. So, uh, yeah, and so it got me thinking about that game, Roberto Baggio's free kick. So, you know, maybe I'll have to firm up the old work laptop of an afternoon and have a few games on that. But that was, uh, and I, I remember spending hours there. I think I, in my mother-in-law's house one time, I was just thought, oh, I'm going to go on the computer and play Roberto Baggio. That, that was, I'm sure it was a space bar. Boom, boom, boom. But I've just said the, the, the satisfaction of, of being, banging one in from about the 30 yards out would really uh, appeal to you. Like, I've just yeah, hit the crossbar, Matt, so, is the latest news on Roberto Baggio's free kicks. Uh, have you scored yet? No. I've been I've been playing know. for the last couple of minutes. And, uh, 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 oh, 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 wide. Oh, maybe I should stop uh, doing this now because I've actually got a, a, a podcast to do, but people don't really want to hear uh, me. It's 20 past 10 yeah, on you can, you wet can, Tuesday evening. So, yeah, um, you can search You've got to be up Baggio, early. Baggio. I don't have to be up that early, though. Yeah, um, you're going to the Roald yeah. Dahl Museum or something tomorrow, aren't you? I am going to see the Roald Dahl Museum, so um, in Great Missenden, so uh, um, I'll be about two and a half hours from here, so looking forward to that. So. Excellent. We haven't told the kids we're going, but it should be, uh, 
Anything else? Uh, TV watch uh, Netflix Bear Grylls when he's I've, I've never really watched much Bear Grylls but what a mentalist that man is and he's got his new interactive show which me and the kids have been enjoying but um, the wife's been out tonight so I've been watching Champions League football and watch Manchester United you know get absolutely dismantled by uh, Barcelona and uh, Ajax beating Juventus so um, from that point it was a season our season's coming to an end but the um, well proper football's coming to an end but the you know the big boys football's getting all exciting now I suppose isn't it with the Champions League etc like that well exactly we're delighted to tell you by the way that after our pleased response we've actually hit the jackpot uh, with you've already mentioned Workforce Dimensions Limited who are based in Canterbury and more importantly founded by new non-league football fan Sam Hill now, Sam gave up his season ticket at QPR this season and joined us in the non-league circuit. And uh, he thanks us in part for helping make his introduction uh, into the non-league scene a little bit more straightforward. He's been to a lot of games around the county um, and, and he's a regular listener of the podcast. And his firm, Workforce Dimension Limited, provide consulting and education services into HR departments at large organisations. So if you are a large organisation, whose HR department needs some consultants or education? Then they are your men. Uh, we've got some exciting ideas about how we might take things forward next season with Sam. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, d- delighted to have them on board, Matt. Delighted to have Workforce Dimensions as a sponsor. We started this thinking it would be fun to get a sponsor, but Sam, a brilliant email he sent to you about it. So we're delighted to have him on board. So he uh, he is the first, well, first official sponsor of the uh, Kent Non-League Pop for podcast, Workforce, Di- Workforce Dimensions, for all your HR needs. Exactly, fantastic. It's our 80th episode this week, uh, and as well as being the track on Green Day's 1991 album Kaplunk, which is a great name for an album, it's also, of course, in the title of Jules Verne's most famous book, Around the World in 80 Days. Do you think, Matt, if I challenged you uh, to set off tomorrow, you could make it all the way around the world in 80 days? Knowing mm, how, basically, I can't go anywhere without Google Maps on my phone, I don't think I'd get very far, to be honest, so... Um... Around the world in 80 days. Remember that um, cartoon back in the day? Was that Phileas? Yes. Uh, there was a cartoon back on... We were talking about kids' programs. Nobody came back to you about Nightmare. There was a good kids' program about that. It was a yeah, little dog, I, I think it was. I, I do remember it. You're, you are correct. Yes. Um, but that brigade, less highbrow than the very world-famous book. Didn't Jackie Chan do a film with Around the World in 80 Days as well? I with Steve Coogan. It didn't come up on my uh, my Google search. You might have done. <laughs> no, no, maybe it didn't. Maybe they, no, no, maybe that wasn't right. But there you go. But no, not that I've seen. I don't watch that many films. We see, as we've discussed before. So um, yeah, so well, we better get going, John. Of course, it's, it's late here, and um, have we got any funny tales this week? Uh, well, I'm just actually just searching. I apologise, Matthew. I apologise to all of our listeners. Jackie Chan and Steve Coogan did indeed do Around the World in 80 Days in 2004. Uh, it, Straight to DVD. It was an um, action American uh, action adventure con- comedy film, um, and it also starred Cecile de France. Um, yeah, it was a box office flop, earned twenty four million dollars in the US and seventy two million dollars worldwide. It was also Arnold Schwarzenegger's last film before he took a hiatus from acting to become governor of California. Um, and it, did Jack first? Did, did he have any other books? Uh, I'm sure he did. He, he wrote loads, but um, do you know what? We're going to have hiatus from talking about this nonsense. So we're going to talk yeah. about some football now, Matt, because that is what yep. good people, uh, including our sponsors, Workforce Dimensions Limited, are here for. Not rubbish films. Um, we're going to start this yep. week with the highest ranked team in Kent, who will be title winners this year. Cray Wanderers were finally crowned champions of the Bostic League South East Division on Saturday when they beat Ashford United 3-1 at Hayes Lane. 
So on Monday night, we both caught up with assistant manager Joe Vines, who was understandably delighted. Yeah, we're over the moon, really. You know, um, it wasn't just this season. It was, you know, it, it was like an extension from last season, really, because you know, we were so close last year and we felt that, you know, we we felt strongly we were on the top sides in a division last year and probably a, a potentially a bit of a stronger division. Um, and losing in the playoffs was a, you know, it was a bit of a blow for us, but we really rallied well and um, you know, we've had a good year. We've had a really good year. How much have you, know, you used that playoff defeat uh, in the semi-final last year to drive you over the line this year? Yeah, we've, and we knew, we've, we used that as, as a management team, you know, Tony, myself and, and, and Nathan, we used that as fuel from the very beginning because, um, you know, we were really low after that defeat and, you know, I didn't. I never considered losing, um, and when we did, it was a, a big shock to the system. Um, you know, and we we had a difficult summer, and I think we did our best work in the summer. To be honest, um, we lost a few players along the way, um, but we added some real quality, um, and you know, and that's used a lot this sort of terminology, but. You know, we not only brought in and recruited good players, we recruited some really good people. Um, and I think that was the deciding factor for us. Um, but we knew that this this season was going to be a you know more case of leading from the front. You know, we, we can't pretend that we were underdogs as such. Um, so it was, a, it was a different challenge in that, you know, we were expected to do well. Um, but, you know, being expected to do well and actually seeing it through are two completely different things. You went on such a, a long unbeaten run and you did the same last year as well. And I guess when, when it sort of started to, it, it was a little bit of a blip. It, it, you know, you, you did start to drop points here and there and, and you had the chance against Greenwich and obviously you missed the penalty to, to do it. Were, were there times where you were thinking, maybe it's not going to happen or did you always believe? Uh, no, I always believed. I mean, the, the thing with that little blip, you know, when you look at the season as a whole, um, you know, we sort of we breathed a sigh of relief after we beat Horsham because we knew that they were a good side and, and it seemed to be every time we played against teams it was they were the form side as such. But Horsham were good, they beat us down there at Lansing, um and they gave us a really um, you know, a good game. But so when we played them at home we sort of there was a bit of an edge to that. Um we performed really well, we deserved the win and I think everybody, including the management, we sort of we had a bit of a sigh of relief and you know, the game against Hastings was a real ding-dong um, and that could have gone one way or the other. Um, and at, at 2-1, we should have scored. They went straight up the other end and scored and, and they sort of, they took the momentum and took the game. Um, but it was a good game of football and I thought it was really even Stevens on the whole. Um, then we drew with Hayward Teeth. They had two shots on target, scored two goals. We had 22 shots and scored two goals. So that tells a story. Um, then we played uh, with the ball and didn't put in a good performance. And it was a dreadful game of football. They did a good job of spoiling it. Um, and there was one bit of quality in that game, and that was the goal from Harry Stannard. Um, and then, you know, we've absolutely battered Greenwich Borough. Absolutely battered them. And, and missed a 93rd-minute penalty last week. So, you know, I was, I must admit, I was away last week. Um, my wife booked a surprise trip to Venice um, in the in the middle of the football season. So I was over the moon that we didn't win that game last week because I would have missed out on all the, 
the uh, promotion party. One of the interesting points you said earlier, you didn't think the league was as strong this season as last year. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, the simple matter of fact is, you know, the top five sides in the league from last year, um, four of them were promoted, you know, in Cole Shorten, Lewis, um, Corinthian Casuals and, and Wharton Casuals, uh, and we were left behind. Um, you know, when you look at the big sides, you know, clubs of support, you know, historic clubs like Hastings will always be a good side. Um, you know, and I, I think Chris has done a fantastic job down there. Um, Hive came into the season off the back of a very good, um, you know, latter stages of last. So they went in with a bit of confidence. Um, but realistically, you know, Ashford are a big club um, and obviously got, you know, good backing and good support. Um, you know, and, but when you look at the um, the league as a whole, I don't think that it's the you know as strong as it was last year. That's just my opinion. You know, some good sides in there, some good players, but on the whole, the strength in depth that it had last year was a really really tough league. You said you did a lot of your your good business in the in the summer, but you also did a very canny piece of business when you brought Joe Taylor in because he's blanding plenty of goals for you, hasn't he? Yeah, good player. I mean, the problem was we, we lost um, Michael Power to um, to a long-term back injury, you know, and my belief is he would have scored 30 goals this season, you know, no problem. Um, he, he'd started the season. We had a long conversation in the summer, you know, and said that we need him to come back, um, you know, slighter of frame and, and, and fitter on the whole, which he did. And he started the season flying. Um, so it was a really big blow for us losing him at that point. So we had to go and identify a, a replacement that fits the mould because, you know, we're after a very, specific, you know, we play a very specific way um, and we needed a very specific striker or, uh, to, to fit the mould. Um, you know, prior to that, we were playing with Freddie Parker, uh, who's 18, you know, he's been with us for two years. He's a real talent. He's going to be a very good player, Fred. But, you know, he was having a bit of a patch, you know, confidence-wise, it wasn't really working for him. So he brought in JT at the right time. He's got pedigree. Um, and he was, you know, over the moon to play in a side that tries to to keep the ball on deck, I suppose, because I think historically he's played for a lot of sides that play the the non-league way. You're moving on next season, uh, up the level of standards. As a management team, do you think, right, we'll stick with the boys we've got? Or do you think, right, players come available, we'll see what we can do? Or do you give faith in the people who've, who've got you there, got you promoted this season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still very early days for us to sort of to, to make a decision and, and, and talk about who stays and who goes. And, you know, I think you're always looking to add quality to, to your squad. You know, it's common sense. And, you know, stepping up to the next level, um, you know, the the expectation is that you've got the ability to attract a, a better calibre of player. Um, but we're very selective with who we bring in um, because, you know, as I said before, it's more about, you know, it's a collective, it's a group and, you know, how they buy into the way that we want to play the game and, you know, where we see this club going. And, and it's a... I'm not avoiding the question. Certainly, players will go. I think that you know that's always the way. But you know, I think they've all done a fantastic job, and they all deserve to to be picking those those medals up this weekend. 
obviously it's been a great season on the pitch, but off it as well, you've got your stadium and, and it's such a boost to everyone that you've got your stadium, you've got your promotion, everything's looking great at Cray Wanderers. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very good time. I think we'll be able to look back on this in years to come and say, you know, we were a part of something um, really special because, you know, I played for Cray. I first played for Cray when I was 19, 20, um, and I've played for the club on, you know, three separate um, spells as such. Um, I'm from Sidcup. You know, I grew up in Sidcup. I moved there when I was 10. Um, and I used to climb over the fence um, when Cray were playing at Oxford Road. My primary school was next door. Um, you know, me, my brother, um, Sammy Wood, who played for Cray and is now at Bromley, we used to go and have a kick about it. They used to sort of throw us off the pitch. Um, the club's come a hell of a long way from there. Um, you know, we've got fantastic backing. Um, you know, Gary Hillman has been with the club for such a long time. He's been ever-present since I've been involved. And, you know, there's, there's not a prouder man out there than him. And, you know, the other guys involved, the other owners, Mickey Pay and, and Jason and, and Dave Francis and such, they, and it's been unbelievable, the, the, the backing that we've got from them. Um, and I think, you know, this club is really going to step up um, you know, off the pitch and on the pitch. So, um, you know, it's an exciting time. And just finally, it was a, a decent weekend for your family, wasn't it? Yeah, we do all right. Yeah, um, my brother obviously played in the cup final yesterday. He had a bit of a patch. He um, he missed the penalty. He played reasonably well. I mean, he's, he's getting on a bit now, the boy. So, um, you know, he's he's had a good season. He's, I think he's got 43 so far. And um, you know, which is not bad for a thirty-five-year-old boy on his on his last legs, but um, yeah, he was he was over the moon to to pick up some more silverware yesterday, and uh, and obviously I was there. Tony and I went to watch, so we were chuffering. Well, he's mentioned his brother there, Matt, and uh, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, fantastic for for Cray Wanderers, uh, Matt, to to finally get there, and and they they deserve it, don't they? Worthy champions. Yeah, really. You mentioned that before. I'd forgotten about last season when they'd sort of you know, threw it away in the playoffs. I think they were home. I think they were 3-0 down early on and down at 10 men. It all went wrong. I was there. But they bounced back there. Yeah, you were there, yeah. They bounced back, um, led the table from start to finish. And they've done a job there. And they look forward. It's been a fantastic year with the ground. Cray Wanderers, um, I think I was there last time. They got promoted into the... Devon Bostick Premier League a few years ago when I think it was a free kick they won it from there but yeah now they've got to stay in it with Ian Jenkins was the manager then but yeah fantastic achievement um, because we've seen there's not many team Kent teams in the Devon Bostick League three teams left in the Kent side in the Premier League so a bit more travelling for them but uh, fantastic achievement and I think uh, they can look forward to it from there and Tony Russell uh, is a really good young manager isn't he and, and he's been linked with a, a few sort of top jobs before but he seems to have found a home at, at Cray Wanderers and him and Joe they, they, and Nathan White is also in the coaching team there. The three of them seem to have got something really good going on with that team they've got. Yeah, I think um, the chairman as well, he's put a lot of money in to try and get him back to Cray. You know, he could have panicked at the end of last season and said, well, we, we're not getting up with these boys, we're stuck with them. The squad's come good. We, we mentioned when they signed Joe Taylor what a good player he was. You know, I thought he was excellent for Folkestone last year and we thought when he went to Margate, He's hit the ground running, but he's back to his levels where he were. They'll always score goals, kind of football that they play. So, um, no fear for them. Yeah, but fantastic. Fantastic achievement. And it's good to see maybe 
it, when we look back at our predictions, did I, would I thought Craig to win that division? Probably not at the start of the season. So um, delighted one of the Kent teams has got to won that division because the rest of the sides, apart from Ashford, have really had an underachieving season. I see. I know. I would have said that. I would have thought expected Cray to win the league this season because, like you say, they came so close last year. I mean, they were flying high. They had that nine nil win over Ashford. It looked like the title was theirs. It was theirs at that point, but they just slowly got reeled in. And it's interesting what Joe said there, where he said, you know, we we thought the league was going to be weaker because of the top five, four went up and they were the odd ones out. So for me, they were always favourites. They hit the ground running and I'm so glad that they've managed to get over the line and now they can relax into their last few games of the season. Yeah, I think that again, when's the ground going to be sort of um, ready by when it starts doing that? A couple more years yet. So they've got to make sure, stable themselves as a, as a Devon Bostick Premier League club and then look to go from there. Exactly. Elsewhere, there was another one of those games in the Bostick South East League where I've had to sit and work out the scoring pattern as VCD Athletic beat East Greenwich Town 5-4. Now, the Vickers led 1-0 and 2-1, but then trailed 3-2 and 4-3 before finally winning a thriller by five goals to four. Some debate on the Bostick League website about whether Charlie McDonald scored a hat-trick or not uh, in that one. But Faversham beat Three Bridges 3-0. Hyde drew 1-1 at Hastings. Seven Oaks beat playoff hopefuls Haywards Heath away from home. Herne Bay lost to Horsham. Whitswick Phoenix Sports 2-1 thanks for a last-minute goal from Connor Sanders. And Sittingbourne went down 3-0 at Whiteleaf. And at the bottom, it's looking good for our sides, with the lowest ranks of our teams having a five-point cushion on both Guernsey and Greenwich Borough. So we think that no matter how many teams go down, uh, our Kent side should all be safe uh, from the Bostick League. But, you know, obviously Cray Wanderers have won it. We're delighted for them and congratulations to everyone there. But Ashford United aside, it's been a, a disappointing season for our Bostick League teams, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, it has, really has been. And we always thought that that division is the Kent division, isn't it? Uh, the quality that the sides have got in there. You know, thought the Whitstables, you know, Herne Bay have had a few problems, but they've got some good players down there. Uh, Whitstable, Faversham, Ray Turner left. And we all thought that Hyde were going to be the side the way they finished the back end of last season. It hasn't really worked out for them, but Tommy Warlow's done a good job at Ashford. So, yeah, yeah, not the greatest division, but fair play to Cray. They've done the job and... They've got the size. I think they actually look at it in the paper. They actually received the trophy uh, this week as well in the non-league paper. They were pictures of that, so uh, they've got the trophy already. It's a fantastic achievement for them. It certainly is. Uh, this weekend, unlike Christmas, there are lots of matches as, as we head towards the finale of the <laughs> season. So on Good Friday, we've got Ashford United against VCD Athletic, and then on Saturday, Wits will head to East Grinstead. It's Horsham against Faversham. Phoenix Sports are at home to Guernsey at two o'clock. Ramsgate meet Hayward Heath. Seven Oaks host Herne Bay. Sittingbourne meet Hastings and the champions go to three bridges. And then on Monday, Cray Wanderers host Seven Oaks, Faversham take on Ramsgate, uh, Ashford go to Hastings, Herne Bay take on Sittingbourne, VCD against Phoenix Sports, and Whitstable against Hythe. In the Bostick League Premier Division, Folkestone kept their playoff hopes alive with an impressive 3 1 win at fellow contenders Merston, and Ira Jackson scored a superb free kick in that game. Well, Tommy Angels are still third after a 2 0 defeat at home to champion Stalking Wanderers. Margate were beaten 2-0 by Potter's Bar and had James Rogers sent off. The news all Gate fans are waiting for is whether Jay Saunders will stay with them next season. Time will tell on that one, but at least we know they're going to be sponsored by the Libertines again. And I think that kit's quite nice, the new one. A bit of a grey and white flecked one, yeah. Well, again, Jay Saunders, is he hounding out for some sides that maybe higher up the pyramid? We now know he's relegated from the, from the National League, maybe thinking... Let's get a manager on board, and I'm, I would have thought that the likelihood he will stay at Margate from from that point of view. And I think Margate fans are just maybe a little bit patient from from this point of view. Um, 
Yeah, it's still a couple of weeks left to go to the end of the season. I'm sure the talks are ongoing um, from from what Jay Saunders wants to do. So, yeah, well, again, he's had a good job at Margate. Just, you know, calm down, Margate fans. You know, when the announcement comes, it'll come. And maybe it could happen this week. It's their final home game, isn't it, against folks, I think, this weekend. Maybe that will be the time they announce that Jay Saunders will be their manager next season. Yeah, I think after what he went through at Maidstone, I think Jay Saunders just wants to, to settle for a bit. And I think that... Margate is the perfect club for him, but you can understand that the, the sticking point may be that he wants to know the club believe the same, believe in the, going in the same direction as, as he does. Yeah, we, you know, we've seen plenty of full storms at Margate over the last few years. He's had some big managers down there. Steve Watts, we thought we were quite surprised he left at the end of the season, but maybe when the budget was cut, all the, what sort of budget will they get next season? A lot of players are out of contract. We know Jay Saunders can attract players. Um, from that point of view, so he's got to make sure everything's right for him. You know, it's, it's the next job for Jay Saunders is an important job for him, really. You know, it didn't end too well against um, Maidstone when he was riding high. I'm sure he wants to get back to the National League level manager, and you know, it'll be a couple of years we can do that with Maidstone, uh, with Margate. But he's got to make sure that the the terms are on offer and what he can get from the club and what they're offering him in terms of a budget to get them out of that division and compete in the Conference South is correct. Yeah, this weekend, Angels are at Worthing on Friday before Folkestone host Harringay Borough and Margate go to Wingate and Finch on Saturday. And then on Mondays, Tommy James is against Carshall. And as Matt has just said, Margate host Folkestone. Uh, where to next then? Well, quick, quick question. Why is half a game's on a Friday and then half a game's on a Saturday? Shouldn't they just say, right, boom, Friday is now football day over the Easter period and Easter Saturday's not? You know, it doesn't make sense for half these teams again, is it? Or do they decide what they want to do? Club's discretion, so it must be down to if the two clubs want to play the game on the Friday or the Saturday. There may be some people who wouldn't want to travel, they might not want to play on two bank holidays. I don't I don't know, but yeah, you would think it might make sense. Because years ago, there was never any football on a Good Friday. It was all the Saturday and Monday, wasn't it? But now Good Friday seems to have come to the fore as the main, um, the first game of Easter. So yeah, strange one there. I don't know when... That's sort of changed. I presume the leagues can decide because it seems strange that some of them want to play again. Makes it easier rather than playing two twice in forty-eight hours. Um, you know, can rest a few players. I suppose you know you're struggling to get if you've got a small squad. You're going to be pushing your players hard on that one. Yeah, bad day to be a winger as well because there's all sorts of things with crosses on uh, Good Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Where to next anyway? Uh, how about the division that I've said we've neglected this season a little bit too much? So we'll go to the National League South where both of our sides suffered 1-0 defeats on um, Saturday. Wedding were beaten at Slough while Dartford dropped out of the playoff for places after their defeat to Chippenham. It's been an eventful week or so at Prince's Park, with striker Phil Roberts going AWOL and Elliot Bradbrook announcing his retirement. But there was good news for them on Saturday with the turn of Andy Pugh after his long injury layoff and after the game Matt caught up with the Dart striker. And although he was disappointed with the result, he was pleased to be back. Yeah, it's not ideal, obviously... Uh... For everyone else, like for me personally, like obviously this was a big milestone. So, you know, for me, like to be able to tick it off and say that I've got back out on the pitch with the lads. But, you know, like I say, it's it's not ideal. It would have been nicer to have had the reverse one nil win for us. You know, to keep us like well in. Well, we're still well in the hunt now. But obviously, if you win your three games now and you win your games, you're going to do it. Yeah, it's just a deflating. You know, when you're at home, you want to win your own games, especially when when you're trying trying to achieve things. But it is what it is. And like you say, we've got three games left, and we just got to win all three. How difficult has the last year or nine months or so been for you? It's been, it has been really hard for me. Uh, obviously, I love, I've always loved my football. It's all I've ever done, and you know, to to have that taken away from you and and 
you're helpless really there's nothing you can do at the f- at the f- for the first few stages it's literally just sit there and, and let it heal uh, but then as soon as I was able to start training I, I have you know I've worked tirelessly away from from the club and obviously when I've come in just to to be able to achieve because it's a big achievement I think to you know eight and a half months to, to come back and be able to people said you'd be out for a year didn't they yeah and, and I think in most cases you are and I think to be Fully 100% fit. I think I would be looking more that more that way, you know, ret- returning pre-season. But you know, I spoke to Coyley and Flans, and I said, you know, from what you've seen in training, that, that's what I can give you. And if you feel that's going to be beneficial, then I'm happy for you to use me. How difficult was it? You mentioned those opening when you can't actually do months. You're sitting at home. You know, people think about the mental side of illness as well of your injury. How difficult was it for you? Yeah, it was. It was very, very tough. You know, you're sitting there and. You, and you're just laying on the sofa. Obviously, I've got two little kids as well, and you know I'm quite a mobile dad. I, you know, chasing and wanting to play, and, and to have that taken away, that was you know another blow to me really. But this, you do really have to stay as positive as possible uh, and believe that there is you know light at the end of the tunnel, and, and you know take every day as it come. And that's what I've done, and you know I'm, I'm happy to be here today. What was the, what was the, the uh, your fitness regime? Was it like swimming when you get going, or just down the gym? How did you work up your fitness? I think at the the first stage, I was uh, when I was able to I was swimming. I've always been a big swimmer, so like that, that was something that I was able to do. And as soon as I could, I was doing that as much as I could. And then on, as soon as I could get on the bike, I was on the bike. You know, just low impact stuff. And um, yeah, really, I've, Harrison's been good as gold. Our fitness coach, uh, he's really been really been good for me. And you know, building the strength back up in my legs has been massive because the the size of my leg was you know it's incredible how much it, you just lose it. Uh, but to build that back up, you know, I owe a lot to H, and you know, as I say, I've, I'm proud of myself as well for what I've achieved. You know, did you expect to get 20 minutes a day, whatever was going to happen? You were going to get to game time. Uh, I think, really, yeah. Like after the conversations we had this week, I, I was mentally prepared to do that. Um, you know, in an ideal world, we would have been, you know, concrete in the playoffs, and I could say, you know, let's just sit back and and wait till the summer but you know like, as I said like if I feel I can bring something to the team and you know maybe get us a goal or you something. had a couple of chances early on no yeah and 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 it's just them if I can do that and maybe bring something to the last few games then that's what I wanted to do did you feel emotional coming on a sub today yeah it was it was you know being here like hearing the fans chant my name it was you know something that I've been looking forward to that's one of the things that you know at the big early stages that you're picturing and you're thinking like I've got to get back out there I want to hear the fans singing my name and and it is a really nice feeling and they've been they've been so good all the way through the journey and they've kept me going and keep driving towards the goal of being back out there playing for them back to Dartford three games to go you know you win those three games you're going to be in the playoffs because you could beat Billericay and knock them out of it as well so what's the feeling like in the camp at the moment I think, like, in really, the last couple of results, they've not been good enough, and naturally, there's going to be that feeling of, you know, the heads are down, thinking, you know, we really should have won these games and we haven't done. But, you know, I think now now's the time for the experienced lads to to put their arms around the the other lads that ain't been a part of promotions and playoffs, and you know, there's still so much to play for. You know, we've got to get ourselves together, and we've got to go down to Eastbourne now on Saturday, and then. Get a result. Can come come Monday. Recover well Sunday to pl- be ready to play Billericay. And as you say, that's a ma- that will be a massive game for us. And if we can get the result there, then go to Oxford last game and you know take the the good form of then them two wins would then hopefully get us the third. And then you're in the playoffs. And hopefully we could do a similar thing to Braintree last year. What about your goals for the end of the season? You've already achieved one of them by playing 20 minutes today. Any other more goals in the in the tank for you? What would you like to do, achieve? Well, obviously, I would love to be able to score a goal, but I think really 
mentally I was just all over. If I could get back out on that pitch, that was that was the only goal I've really been picturing. But yeah, if I could score a score a goal, that would really top it off. But I'm, as I say, I'm just really proud of myself for what I've achieved to be able to be back out there. Well, it's it's a boost, isn't it, to to have Andy Pugh back and and you know credit to him for coming back probably quicker than we expected. Yeah, I don't know if they were forced into it with the injury problems they've got with the strikers, but Andy Pugh, naturally fit player, came on, caused a few problems as well um, uh, within the, the game as well. Yeah, I think a fantastic achievement. It was a terrible leg break. He thought he'd be out for 12 months, but as he said in there, he works harder and harder to get back because he's a class player and he could have been the difference. You know, we look at Dartford's goal difference, it's zero at the moment. He could have been the main, main difference for them doing things like that. So, yeah, a, a really fantastic achievement. I don't know if he's going to start games, but definitely for 20 minutes to go, he can go on it. And I'm absolutely delighted for him to, to, to come through that after an injury that many people thought he might not be able to get back from. Yeah, I mean, I saw the darts a few times last year and they had plenty of strikers going around. But they obviously had Pavey scoring goals. They had Danny Mills who was in on loan. They had obviously Ryan Hayes providing the ammunition. But Pugh was always the one who sort of links it all up together. And he's had a good career at this level. And it's good to see that he's back and fit and firing. Yeah, yeah, he's a clever player, isn't he? You know, he was he was a prolific goal scorer in his early days, but now he's sort of um, the link-up man um, from that point of view. A clever player, he takes players out of the game and get other players involved. And that's what Darfield were missing on Saturday. Uh, they didn't really play with a striker. At some point, they've got about four wingers playing, and without a central striker, after Phil Roberts basically said that Rank um, told another player that tell the manager I'm not coming up to Western Supermare. His days were numbered. Sheringham's been injured. Billy Crook's been injured. And they are missing a, a, a real striker, I think. And that could be the difference. I see Concord have won this evening at Truro. That could be the real difference for if Darfur are going to get in the playoffs. At the moment, they need to win. And, you know, if they win their three games, they'll get in there because they'll beat Billericay. So, um, it's just a, you know, disappointed they huffed and puffed. And it was one of those games against Chippenham. You just fancy whenever Chippenham would have one chance and they'd score it in a mistake at the back, and they got it. And the things with Darfur, obviously, they were so, so close last year to winning the, the the league itself. And, you know, you wonder how they would have fared if they'd gone up. Obviously, we've seen having go back down. We'll talk about that later on. But you just wonder, don't you? You just wonder if last year was Dartford's chance, and, and, and if it's going to fade away from this year, they're going to have to start again, aren't they? Especially with losing Elliot Bradbrook too. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I didn't realise, you know, thinking about it, coming back from Darfur, how close they were. I think that 10 minutes to go, they were going up, weren't they? Um, but who haven't scored late uh, to win the league. And how that they took out of them, Braintree, they battered them and then lost to Braintree in, in the semi-final and then Braintree got, got promoted. Yeah, they changed managers. Um, has that worked out been better? Uh, I think they're on a par, really, with the players. They've got a lot... High turnover squad, but next season, which we'll really discuss in a minute, the Conference South is um, going to be a real tough division next season. Darford will not be one of the bigger teams expected to get promoted, I would have thought. Wellington will be on Saturday as well, or at home to Chelmsford on Friday, so that's a tough game for them as well. Almost there, Welling, uh, you would think, but they still need to get another result, while Darford are down on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, on Saturday, when they tra- travel to play Eastbourne Borough, and then on any, Monday- pl- any place in uh, uh, any Dartford fans going to Eastbourne, you'd recommend them staying if they need to stay over, John. Do you know what? I'd I'd love to recommend a place, but unfortunately, the one that I know the best is uh, is quite full. So uh, you've left it too late, Darts fans. I'm afraid to say, um, but maybe next year, if if you stay in the same division as Eastbourne, you can look at the fixtures and, and get yourself in early. Um, Eastbourne on- aren't going down; they don't win many matches, are they? <laughs> 
No, well, they're they're on the precipice, but I think they should be okay. Uh, on Monday, it's Dartford against Billericay and Welling go to East Thurrock United. Uh, you might think we'll go into the National League next, but we're going to keep him waiting a little bit longer. Uh, so we're going to move into the Southern Counties East League, where the title race continues to head towards the wire. Uh, Corinthian were 1-0 winners at Hollands and Blair on Saturday, while Cray Valley beat Glebe 2-1, so it's still two points of difference with three games left to play. Elsewhere, Sheppey were 3-2 winners at Beerstead, with no goals from Punjab travel to Crobra. Tumma Giles were 3-2 winners at Relegated Croydon. Irith Thump Lords were 4-0, and K-Sports beat Canterbury City 2-1. On Tuesday night, it was Punjab United 1, Canterbury City 1. We've got a full programme on both Saturday and Monday. So on Saturday, Punjab are at AFC Croydon. It's Canterbury against Beckenham, Chatham against Cray Valley. That's a massive game. Corinthian against Deal. Glebe meet Beersted. Hollands and Blair meet Rustall. K-Sports host Fisher. It's Sheppey United against Irith and Tomage Rolls host Lordswood. And then on Monday, Chatham go to Beersted. Beckenham host AFC Croydon. Cray Valley are at home to relegated Croydon. K-Sports are at Crowborough. Deal meets Sheppey. Tomage Rolls go to Irith Town. Corinthian travel to Fisher. Lordswood host Canterbury. Punjab take on Hollands and Blair and it's Russell against Glebe. And I make it that both of the title challengers have got their toughest games of the run-in this weekend. Chatham against Cray Valley and Fisher against Corinthian. They are both tough, tough games. Yeah, it's, it's going three games to go. Chatham, uh, Cray Valley, who's at home there? Uh, Chatham. Yes, it's uh, yeah, top four all playing each other, which is uh, interesting to see, isn't it? So, um yeah, it, it, what, a, what a great division it has been this year. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, excellent division. Quality teams of the top four have gone away. Corinthian and Cray Valley. Who, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Will be interesting to see and interesting to find out. But maybe we'll know more. Is they playing Bank Holiday Monday as well? Yes, yeah. one. Yeah. 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 This time next week when we record the pod, John, I would say we'll know who are going to be the scaffold champions this season. Well, exactly, and I think we still um, we still have a, a debate, don't we? About uh, you, th- I think one's going to win it, and you think the other one's going to win it, don't we? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sticking my neck on the line. I think I said this on the radio that I fancy Corinthian are going to go ahead and do it. Um, did I say that? Or did I say the other one? But you I'm said going the other one. You said Corinthian. Did I say the other one? Yes. Uh, yeah, I did say the other. Oh, I don't know. It, it changes each mind when you think about it. Corinthian, what a run they've been on. Cray Valley, 99 goals. They're going to score 100 goals for the season. Okay, yeah, I did say that. I think they've got a chance of being um, double winners, haven't they? So, yeah, with with the trophy, with the Vars as well. Yeah, I, I, OK, I'm, I'm changing my... Uh, no, I'm who's going to win this. I changed my underwear, John. So, uh, changing it all the way. Hopefully, this time next week, we'll know. But what a, what a great... Um, what a great championship it's been, anyway. Change it as much as underway, so that's once a week then. Yeah, yeah, thank uh, you. Finally, in the Scaffold Premier, um, we're going to talk about Dan Bradshaw of Sheppey United, who has scored his 35th goal of the season in that win at Beersted on uh, Saturday. And the best thing is, he's raising some money as well with, with, with the charity um, because of the, the fact he, he said if he'd scored 35 goals, he would uh, he would help um, making some money for, for charity. And uh, a brilliant, brilliant aspect, uh, what he's done. £5, loads of people have donated to the Ites Foundation, um, for Dan Bradshaw to score his 35 goals, and he's, he's only gone and done it. Absolutely fantastic achievement at that level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an absolute machine at that level. And uh, the little um, thing about uh, on uh, April Fool's Day, he was going to sign for City, but a bit of a jokey one, or are you still going to pay the money? But yeah, fantastic achievement. 35 goals in every any level is a great achievement. And, uh, yeah, well done to him. And uh, it's delighted that the charities made the most of it as well. 
Yeah, in Division 1, all of the top three won on Saturday. Brydon Ropes beating Kent Football United 2-1. Youth and Belvedere also 2-1 winners over Holmesdale. And Wellingtown overcoming Forest Hill Park 2-0. Uh, Forest Hill Park's manager Lee Roots, who we spoke to last year when he was at Holmesdale, has announced today he's leaving the club. Um, that means there's one point between the three of them, uh, the three at the top. We're now at the stage where goal difference is going to count for an extra point. So I'm going to mention that Brydon's is 49, Wellings is 36. And Irith and Belvedere, who are the team in third, one point behind the others, have a goal difference of 48. That could be crucial, Matt. Yeah, yeah. For what a fantastic competition. There's fair play to Kennington who come up, you know, 65 points as well. So, um, yeah, a really good division. It'll be interesting to see how they can cope both sides getting into the top flight. We've seen the likes of Punjab struggling a little bit. They're still not out of the relegation zone. Yeah, but a fantastic achievement. And uh, well, what a great division. And I can't believe any two divisions are excited as this one's the scaffold division. No, the other results on Saturday in Division 1. So FC Elmstead beaten 3-2 by Greenways. Lewis and Borough beat Ross United 2-0. Lid beat Bottomside Meridian VP 4-1. Uh, SC Thames beat 1-2-1 at Snodland Town. And Stansfield beat Sutton Athletic. Well, Phoenix Sports Reserves was 5-0 at home to Kennington. In the week, the club announced that the reserve team will be leaving the scaffold. And instead, Phoenix will put a team in the Bossett League's under-23 division. Um, citing some sort of financial uh, implications. And while some people were saying that it will cost them probably more money, more travelling in the under-23 league. The crucial thing is they can now rent out their pitch on alternate Saturday. So, um, it's obviously a decision the club have thought long and hard about. Yeah. Again, that, those, those levels, um, you know, it's not about making money, but maybe it is. They need to go in to compete. Different levels, bring in different type of players in as well. Young, hungry players, from maybe released from league clubs or released from uh, non-league academies. So, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, works for them. Indeed, uh, this Division 1 teams in the scaffold play on Friday and Monday. So on Friday, Forest Hill Park take on Bryden Ropes, Greenways against Phoenix Sports Reserves, Holmesdale against Lewisham Borough, Kent Football United against Wellingtown, Lidtown host FC Elmstead, Meridian VP host Snodland Town, Ross United meets Stansfeld and Sutton Athletic host Kennington. And then on Monday, all three title contenders are at home, Bryden Ropes against Holmesdale, Irith and Belvedere against Sutton Athletic and Wellingtown against Struggling Meridian. FC Holmesdale host Rochester, Kent to meet Greenways, Phoenix Sports Reserves host Kent Football United, Sodden Town meet Lidtown, Stansfield host SC Thamesmead. There's also a derby between two of the London-based sides, Lewis and Borough and Forest Hill Park, 12.30pm kickoff. Have you seen about this league restructure as well, Matt, for next year? No, uh, was that, uh, no, I haven't, sorry. Right, so there's gonna be, they're going to bring the National League South up to 24 teams next season, uh, from yeah. uh, the season after next. So that means next year there will be only two relegation places in the National League South and National League North. And all the teams from uh, the playoff winners and the title winners will go up straight up uh, into that level. Uh, then that means there's going to be the bottom two going down from the Bostic Prem. And then points per game will come in for the third bottom sides at all that all across that level with the worst two teams going down. Uh, two will be promoted from each of the levels at that. So that's the Bostic League South East. The winners and the playoff winners will both be promoted. This is where it gets interesting. So uh, all champions from step five so that's the Southern Counties East League, will be promoted, no problem. The Northwest Counties Northern League and Northern Counties East League will all have their top three teams all promoted. Uh, then there'll be 11 teams left who have been runners-up in the leagues. The top four points per game will be promoted. The other seven will take on the team who finishes bottom in the league above for the right to be uh, in the Step 4 League next season. So there'll be no automatic relegation places from the Bossett League South East next season. Uh, that means that 
whoever finishes bottom will then go into a playoff with a team, possibly from the scaffold, possibly from another league, depending on uh, geographic, geography and points per game in the second division. Um, and the other final caveat to this is that all of this means that next season, the top four teams in the Southern Counties East League First Division will be promoted. The top four. That's quite something, isn't it? Oh, I was losing the world to live at quarter to 11 when you were going through that, John. But that, there's an interesting stat there, the top four sides. Um, does that mean there'll be more teams in the scaffold then in that two seasons' time than it must be? Yeah, it must be. Yeah, it must be. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, I don't know if some of the teams in the scaffold one have got the, you know, I suppose it might be a little bit more money to play and you may have to pay your players a little bit more. Interesting to see what sides want to do that sort of um, thing from there. But there's a chance for some of these sides, upcoming sides, to go for it uh, from that point of view. And uh, we'll look interesting to see. So uh, at least we know a little bit more what's going on. Because, you know, half the time we don't really know what is going on with these uh, things. But again, at least the FA have given it a good year. So we know, clubs will know, which is the most important thing. Yeah, my only concern about bringing four teams up from the Scaffold Division 1 is that you wouldn't want to dilute the quality of the Southern Counties East League. Yeah, that's Premier that League. concern. That is, of course. Because it's yeah, been so going to be brilliant interesting. this season. So. Um, we'll come on now to the Kent Senior Trophy. Obviously, uh, was that that game last year? Didn't make it this this uh, time around, but it was 1-0 to Chatham after extra time, uh, beating Beckenham. Uh, great scenes for Chatham. I've, I've seen plenty of pictures of the day. Uh, absolute thrill for them to get their hands on some silverware again. Yeah, I think uh, the fans need, wanted that as well. They missed a penalty in um, the first part of the game, didn't they? Vines, his brother, as you mentioned earlier, whacked it over the crossbar. But I think they were the better side. Finally got the breakthrough in extra time and a trophy then. I think it was quite a decent attendance there as well, I think, wasn't it? So, in that point of view. So, really, uh, yeah, pleased for Chatham. I think they probably would have wanted the league title rather than that. But again, it's a chance for next season. Build on that and move on. Indeed. Also, uh, on Tuesday night, the reason that we're talking to you so late uh, is it was the Kent Senior Cup final. Again, a game we were at last year. Uh, if, you, if you're a big fan of the podcast, you'll remember us live uh, live commentating through the penalties. Well, if we'd gone again tonight, we'd have had more penalties. And Maidstone United have won it on penalties for the second year running. 3-2 on spot kicks this time after a 1-1 draw uh, against Bromley at Hayes Lane. Um, a little crumb of comfort for Maidstone after a, a desperately disappointing season. Yeah, it, 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 it's a trophy, isn't it, for them? Um, not everybody, as we mentioned before, the greatest trophy in the world, but Maystone have done that. Poor old Bromley don't really seem to like uh, um, penalty shootouts, do they? Because we've seen that now. We saw it in the Vars last year. They lost that, and now they've lost this one. Yeah, Maystone will be pleased with that. I see on Hines played. I thought he retired. I don't know if it was just a, a one-off game for him to come out and, uh, and play against his old club, but uh, he was out on the pitch. But the penalty shootout wasn't the greatest penalty shootout, I don't think, of all time. Uh, quite a lot of misses. But, uh, yeah, fair play to um, for Maystone. They won the competition and uh, held the trophy, which is excellent for them. Exactly. Um, one more division to talk about, and I've, I've kept it long enough. Um, because on Saturday, after a 3-2 win at Barrow, it was finally confirmed uh, that Matt Gerrard's rollercoaster promotions has ended on the thrill side of the ride, because Dover Athletic will be in the National League next year. How delighted are you, Matt? Get in, yes. Um, did I have any sort of... Um, I was concerned all season, you know, from that point of view. I think the Halifax game in about November, I think we'd lost 1-0 and been apparently terrible and I just couldn't see it and the games that I went to I just didn't think we 
he had the quality to get out of it. Well, he may be the one against... I can't see when the sort of turning point was. You know, NES has brought a lot of players in, which is a fantastic thing. I think he had to do because the, the, the signings in the summer weren't very good. But, yeah, he's worked it out. And I think it with three games to... Um, games, that's the great achievement of what he's done as well, to be honest, isn't it? So, who would have said when the position he came into the club, three... Um, three games to go we would be you know done and dusted so yeah fantastic achievement um, we'll forget about this season and just let it go I think um, forget forget about it and move on and hopefully next season can be more successful but it'll be interesting to see what they were doing in the transfer market now but uh, I'm pleased with other people you know Richard the kit man Jason the media man even Julu runs the club shop you know you know Conference South is a tough division and my concern was if Dover went into that division, would they have the quality of the nails to go back? But staying in the National League is the keyest thing now. And Now, I'm not expecting promotion, but I think David just needs to stabilise and stay in this division because it is an absolutely fantastic division. Um, real quality and looking forward to next season again now, really. So, uh, yeah, delighted. You know, they're my team and I, you don't want to see them relegated and fair play to Andy Hesitale. He's done a fantastic job. I'm pleased for Matt, the BBC commentator. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Andy Heston Tyler says it's one of his greatest achievements uh, in football, keeping Dover up from where we took over. Um, and the, the hard work starts now. And looking at what his, the recruitment, he obviously did Eastley in the summer when they had all that turbulence and Eastley are going to get in the playoffs. You've got to be a little bit excited, haven't you? Yeah, it depends. You know, I know, I'm not going to say who I think they should probably get rid of and try and sign, but there's been rumours about certain players that could be coming. Um yeah, I think yeah, you've got to be excited. Uh, I, I, I thought we overachieved, if you can say that, the last couple of seasons, didn't we? So, um, uh, and this season could have, you know, bit us on the backside and got relegated. It hasn't done. Um, fair play to Jim Parmain, so he made the decision to get rid of Chris Kinnear and Chris Kinnear, absolute legend at the football club. Um, so, yeah, he's been vindicated. It's the right decision. They've gone full time, which is probably the correct route as well. Yeah, fair play to them and yeah, we move on from there. Yeah, of course I'm excited a little bit. It's going to be an interesting season next year. Yeah, elsewhere it looks like uh, Gary Hill won't be getting that parking space at the station uh, after they were beaten 1-0 at home to Dagenham on uh, Saturday. So that's going to make it very, very tricky for Ebbsfleet to get into the playoff places now. Uh, with only... oh, I think they've got a chance. You know, Haven't on Saturday or Friday, they should be. I think they can probably beat Haven't and I don't know how easily they've got. But they, yeah, they need to win all their games. But I think, uh, you know, it was disappointing against Dagenham. I saw David beat Dagenham a few weeks ago and I fancied Epsley to get there. Little mistake for the goal. Maybe, just maybe, all that exertion of, you know, all the off-field problems just came a little bit too much for them. But um, it's been a decent season for them considering where they were. Yeah, Bromley drew 2-2 at Halifax and Maystone lost 4-1 at Chesterfield. Uh, oh, this weekend, it's Bromley against Solihull Moors on Friday. Dover against Aldershot. Having a Waterlooville against Epsley. Maidstone against Braintree. And then on Monday, Barnley against Bromley. Sutton against Maidstone and Matt will be at Ebbsfleet against Dover. Um, as as a Kent man, I, I know you sometimes say where Ebbsfleet are concerned, you know, it's difficult, but you, you also have a, a deep love for Aldershot, don't you? Have you been thinking about what you're going to say to your mate at Aldershot when you see him on Friday? Um, no, I, I, I was always sort of... Yeah, I don't want to be seen as nasty, but, you know, I, Aldershot, when I think they beat us 2-0 early in about September and their fans celebrate like they won the cup and the guy said, oh, we'll, we'll be lucky to see you again this season. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. So, the Aldershot, really, 
for all their talk of being in the playoffs, they've had an absolutely dreadful season and relegated. It could be tough for them next season. So I will have a wry smile on my face uh, when I see him, I think, um, because, um, yeah, well, what goes around comes around, doesn't it? Maybe you should say to him, maybe I'll see you at Maidstone next season or something. Yeah, yeah like exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, I could use that one. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could awesome. use that one. Excellent. Um, well, that is it for this week's uh, Kent on E podcast. It's getting very late now, um, so I'm going to go to bed in a minute. Um, and so is Matt Javid, I'd imagine, because he's got to go to the tip again tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks to everyone for listening uh, this week. As always, you can find us on social media at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook at Kent Non League is where you will find us on Facebook. Um, please, please, if you haven't listened to it, give our radio show from uh, last night, Monday night, another listen because... Uh, it was incredible. Matt went out and got an interview with someone who was um, a survivor of the Hillsborough disaster, which was 30 years ago on Monday. And it is an absolutely astonishing account of, of what that gentleman went through. And um, well done to Matt for getting such a, a brilliant interview. We also talked about racism and we talked about snooker as well. So you can find that on the BBC Sounds app. I did tweet it out myself on my own Twitter account at JohnPips81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Um, thanks to... Um, Another word for our sponsor, John. Oh, yeah, another word for our sponsor, of course. Thanks ever so much to our sponsors, Workforce Dimensions Limited, um, who we will be working with uh, for the foreseeable future. And we'd like to thank them again for their support with the Kent Only podcast. And we'd also like to thank Joe Vines for giving up his time and Andy Pugh for chatting to Matt after the game on Saturday on his return. And uh, all that pretty much remains to say is have a lovely Easter weekend. Matt Joe will be eating every pizza you can find on on Sunday if you bump into him. And uh, I hope that everybody has a good weekend and we'll speak to you all next week. What is hardcore anyway from the tip? I don't know. It just goes in the garden, I reckon. <laughs>